Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala sayyidil mursalin sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah, may Allah have mercy on him, is related to have said shakawtu ila waki'in su'a hithbi فأرشدني إلى ترك المعاصي فأخبرني بأن علم نور نور الله لا يحدى للعاصي He complained to his teacher in Iraq one of his many many teachers وكيعه شكوت إلى وكيئن سوء حفبي that his memory was becoming a little dull so he had to read it twice instead of once to memorize it Poor Shafi, mashallah. It's like my memory is getting a little rusty, dull. فَأَرْشَدَنِي إِلَى تَرْكِ الْمَعَاصِي And he instructed me to leave off all sin. So he thought and thought what was his sin. So the, the higher the rank of the believer, the smaller the things become sin. So he thought and thought. He remembered he was in the marketplace and he saw a woman's heel of her foot from under her ibaya. Like when she's walking and kicking back, he saw her. Because in the Shafi school, the feet are part of the aura. And so he saw her foot and he repented from that and his memory came back. And But he said, He instructed me to leave off all sin. فَأَخْبَرَنِي And then he informed me بِأَنَّ نُورَ ilm That knowledge is a light. نُورُ اللَّهِ The light of Allah, of Allah. لَا يُحْدَى لِلْعَاصِي That's not given. Knowledge is a light. It's a light which we should cherish. It's a light which we should not let go of. Uh, Imam Ali is related to have said, and some of the people that said Jabbar, they changed Jabbar to uh, uh, Rahman. Radina kismat al-Rahmani fina. Lana al-ilmu wa lil-adai malu. Fa'amma al-malu fayafqa. So he said, we're pleased with the division the All-Merciful has made for us. We have knowledge and our enemies have wealth. Generally, our ummah is a poor ummah. Right? We have the, the, the first Muslim majority continent, Africa, is generally a poor. If you look at, you know, we, we're a nation, generally, fuqara, poor people. 
in terms of worldly possessions and worldly wealth. Generally speaking, this North American community is one of the wealthiest communities. You take away the oil producing countries, we're one of the wealthiest Muslim communities. And we can build this with no state sponsorship, with no billionaire sponsorship, just going around collecting money from people, having the fundraisers. There's a, there's a, a campus like bigger than this for the Catholics. That's one way his, his, his mention's been elevated. Another way, as we said, the words of Allah enveloped in the Quran are multiplied ten times over. So another way the Prophet's been elevated, that when someone makes the salawat, just as the Quran, each letter is multiplied ten times over. The salawat, if we say whoever sends the blessing and prayer for mercy upon me one time, Allah sends ten portions of his mercy to that person. So the salawat and the dhikr and the Quran is generating the light and generating the energy that sustains the building and needs to increase. It needs to, to increase, it leads to growth, it leads to expansion. And again, to maintain that. And this, this someone might say, wait, the topic was the haze. This is how we see through the haze. This is how we maintain our bearings. We have to fill our, our lives with Quran. We have to fill our lives with dhikr. We have to fill our lives with study. So it's not just Quran and dhikr, then the study. I visited the halakat. These are studying tafsir. These are studying inheritance law. These are studying some other science. So there's also, there's knowledge. As we said, knowledge is a light. And so the study, though, also leads to an increase. So all collectively, it's all dhikr. Quran is dhikr. The Prophet Sallallahu entered the masjid. There were two halakas. These were mentioning the names of Allah, and these were studying knowledge. And both are dhikr. Al-Ata, and he sat with the latter. ma'allima, I was sent as a teacher. Sallallahu alayhi wa But Ata, another said that al-dhikr halakatul ilm. Halakatul halal wal haram. That dhikr is studying knowledge, studying what's lawful, what's unlawful. So the study, the dhikr, the Qur'an, the salawat creates a, a spiritual energy 
that dissipates the clouds of darkness and confusion. And this is, this is how we survive in these times. You look at people who are, are confused. They're confused because they're giving priority to things that are void of vicar, that are devoid of the light of knowledge, that are devoid of Qur'an, that are devoid of a sound understanding of the religion. When we study, مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَكِّرْهُ فِي الدِّينِ The one Allah wants good for, He gives him or her a sound understanding of the religion. Al-Fahm. Al-Thiqah. This is before the evolution of the religious sciences. So, fiqh in this hadith is linguistic. Fahm. Understanding. And so when we understand the religion, we understand the purpose in this life. You look at the great philosophers from the beginning of philosophy until today, there's no clear explanation in terms of how do we philosophically define the purpose of life. They're still debating the question. Muslim is clear because Allah Ta'ala gives us clarity. I've only created the jinn and human that they worship me. And some commentators based on a saying of Ibn Abbas except that they know me. They come to know me. That's the purpose of life, to worship and to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Once a person has that, a person has clarity. The haze is lifted. Because we know the purpose of life isn't to aggrandize the self, self-aggrandizement. So people everywhere, and going there, everyone's got cell phones. I don't want to mess up the recording. I hope I don't hit the off button. But people are making tawaf. This is for Allah. Not for the self, selfie, selfie. Not for the family. Some people are live streaming to their family. It's not for the family. It's for Allah. إِلَّا Except that they worship me. That's, the, that's one of the great foundations for seeing through the haze. Is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because that connection with Allah gives us the strength to withstand the, the assault of shaitan. Shaitan is assailing us. People are slipping into following shaitan. Shaitan, if, if we understand, this is very important, we have to understand this. Because one of the, the things that many Muslims are accepting are materialistic explanations for everything. I don't want to reiterate, some of you were there and I will bore you by repeating it. But just to summarize, there's physical reality and there's metaphysical reality. There's reality that transcends this physical existence. And they both come from Allah. And so you had no contradiction. أَلَا لَهُ الْخَوْكُ وَالْأَمْرُ تَبَارَكَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ 
So unto him belongs the physical creation. And so Muslims had, don't have this uh, Cartesian dualistic schizophrenia. We're torn between the material and the metaphysical. So the mind-body dichotomy. It's all, it's all integrated for a Muslim. The physical creation, we study that. And we have no problem studying medicine and engineering and all of these science rooted in physical reality. And we also study the metaphysical. And we have no problem with that. Al-Khalq, the physical. Al-Amr, the metaphysical. Revelation, uh, prophethood, angels, etc. It's all from Allah. Tabarakallah, Rabbul Alameen. So we, we're not torn in that way. And so consider, like every great Muslim metaphysician was also a physician. And to give an example, both ends of the spectrum, if you look at one end of the spectrum, you have someone like on the ethery, more related to, to the uh, naql, to transmit it, sciences and evidences, Ibn Qayyim Jawziyah, right? So Ibn Qayyim Jawziyah, he wrote, he wrote at Nabawi, prophetic medicine. He's a physician, but he also wrote Madarij al-Salikin, Kitab al-Ruh. He wrote the book of the spirit, Kitab al-Ruh. He wrote Madarij al-Salikin, on the, the, the ways the, of, of ascension for the spiritual journey, journey. One of the great works in our spiritual tradition. So that's at the ethery side of the scale. Those who, whose knowledge focuses on transmitted knowledge. And you go to the more philosophical side of the scale, Ibn Sina. He wrote the Qanun, considered the greatest work of medicine in human history. That was continuously studied for what? Six or seven centuries. Until the 20th centuries, there were medical schools in Europe that were still using the Qanun. And he wrote as Shifa, one of the great metaphysical treatises in our intellectual history. So there's no contradiction between the physician whose knowledge is rooted in the khalq and the metaphysician whose knowledge is rooted in the amr. And this is a glorification of Allah. Tabarakallah. Tabarakallah, Rabbul Alameen, the Lord of all the worlds. The world of the physical and the world of the metaphysical. And so this, this tradition of tawheed, integrative unity, the unity of the physical and metaphysical is the foundation, of one of the other foundations of us cutting and seeing through the haze, that we don't allow the two to be separated. The Europeans, it was separated, and once it was separated, the physical became dominant. And Muslims shouldn't accept this separation. Many of our young people are confused because they accept the separation. And so the, the, the atheist friend will say, right, he proved to me God exists. And they're trying to prove to me based on physical laws that are rooted in physical 
empirically verifiable reality that God who transcends physicality exists. Once you accept the premise, you're doomed to fail in the challenge. The Muslim has to say no. We were talking earlier about the Big Bang. I don't accept your premise. I don't accept the premise that I have to prove God who nothing in the physical world resembles, therefore there's no analogy, there's no siloquism, there's no intellectual foundation for me to make that proof. There's a logical proof I can engage in and construct. That if you accept the premises of my argument, you have to accept that God exists, logically. But in terms of using physical laws to verify that who transcends the physical, the, who created the physical, who has power over the physical, that's a non-starter. Like we mentioned earlier, very quickly, the Big Bang, because there are atheists out there, confused, go to college, come out of uh, 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 a school teaching religion and deen, memorize Quran, go to college, wheels come off. Why? By accepting premises that they should be challenging. So we mentioned the Big Bang. Oh, it all started from the Big Bang. What's the Big Bang? Oh, there's this dense, deeply heated stuff that blew up, and when it blew up, the universe came about. So really? And they think, oh, my God, that's how it started? They'll say, wait a minute. Where did that stuff come from? No, it's axiomatic, right? Your atheist friend is axiomatic. It was always there. We don't have to prove that. So I'm a believer, and it's not axiomatic. I don't accept that there's an effect with no cause. If there are footprints in the snow. I know someone walked in the snow. If there's a pile of dung, I know something dropped it. We mentioned a pile of camel dung indicates a camel walked by and plopped. It didn't just show up. So if there's this stuff, someone created because nothing creates itself. If there's this stuff, it's an effect. There's no effect without a cause. So Mr. Atheist, Miss Atheist, who created it? I asked this question of Dr. Bruno Gerdodoni, one of the greatest physicists and considered. Asked him, is there any theory whatsoever as to how that was created? He said, there's no theory. God did it. He's a believer. So put that in your program if you're confused about all this stuff. Is there any theory how it's like this table, this uh, podium? It's sitting here minding its own business. You would never accept that one day this podium's gonna just blow up. Like this part starts talking to this part. Like top says to side. Hey side, I'm bored, man. And side responds, me too, man. Hey man, why don't we just blow up? Subhanallah, hey, forever being a podium, people coming slapping on us and beating on us. If we blow up, they can't beat on us anymore. Yeah, I'm down, you down, I'm down. 
you say you're insane. But this stuff just blew up. Big bang. With no big banger. You can't have a big bang without a big banger. Oh, it's axiomatic. We say badihi. We, we don't, it's just something we accept, no deal, no proof is so clear. What's clear? You've been deceived. What's clear, what's clear is that this podium would never blow up unless there was some external agent acting on it in a purposeful way to cause it to blow up. It's not going to accidentally blow up. You know, someone's not going to rub it and do something that's not conducive to it blowing up. If I rub hard enough, it'll blow up. There has to be a purpose design where I have to come with some dynamite. I have to come with some gasoline. I have to do something that's going to purposely, with intent, cause this thing to blow up. But we just accept, oh, I don't know if I believe anymore. The Big Bang. Oh, science. The leading expert on this field said there's no scientific, rational explanation as to why that blew up, except kun fayakun, bien it is. Kun fayakun, bien it is. Allah. So to see through the haze, we have to begin to challenge based on our perspective, based on our worldview, based on our principles, that it loses a stable state, the two scales, they're balanced. If one goes up and one goes down, it's called tarjih. We don't accept that that can have tarjih bidum rajih, that there's something that interrupts this stable state without providing preponderance to one scale over the other. So if we come back one day and the scales that are like this forever, one is up and one is down, what do we know? Someone put something over here to disrupt the balance. So this stable stuff isn't going to spontaneously blow up unless someone does something to disrupt the balance. La ilaha illallah. We have to arm ourselves with the knowledge we need to cut through the haze. The haze of atheism. The haze of, of all this confusion. The haze of narcissism. Like self-love. What's motivating us? We want to take a selfie. Self-love. What makes us disappointed when we post our selfie and no one likes it? Then we're depressed. Oh, no one loves me. No one likes my picture. Now we're all depressed. The Culture of Narcissism. Great book, you should read it. Christopher Lash, one of the great American sociologists, The Culture of Narcissism. It's being enhanced. It's being enhanced. It's being enhanced by our ability to take these pictures, immediately upload them on our Facebook or our Twitter or our Instagram or Snapchat or our this, that, or the other. 
and we get that dopamine rush. Everyone likes my picture. That means I, my, my, my self-love is vindicated because other people love me too. No one shared my picture. Only two people liked it. My wife and my dog. He's a maliki, he has a guard dog. Not in the house. They're the only ones that like my picture. Oh, now I'm depressed because my self-love isn't vindicated. Am I lovable after all? Maybe I'm despicable. Maybe I'm despicable me. No accident that the one-eyed little thing is a despicable. Ah, <laughs> uh, no comment. So I'm ready to commit suicide. This happens. I go into depression. This is happening all around us. I start using drugs to get that dopamine rush that I don't get from posting my pictures and my selfies because even though no one likes me, I can do dope. That's why dope is called dope because it creates the dopamine rush in the brain and the endorphins get into our bloodstream and give us that feeling of euphoria until they wear off and we crash. Those who believe are more intense in their love for Allah. You want a real rush? Love Allah. You want a real, the one the great, the, 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 the myth of liberation. It's a myth, the myth of liberation. Women liberate themselves, they'll be happy. There's more depression among women than men. They're liberated. What's going on? No, there's liberation. This is a myth. Liberation leads to more enslavement. How come all the liberated women have to dress the same? If you're liberated, just do your own thing. So if, if liberation means, you know, wearing a, a halter top with your belly button exposed, with the earring and your belly button, everyone's liberated, they have to follow the style. If liberation means putting a red hair, like literally red, like the carpet, then you have to do it. You, what? I thought you liberated. Then if you do it and you still don't feel good, because the liberation's a myth, it could be, it could be men, you know, men, you liberate it. Hey, you liberate it. You don't have to get married until you're 35, or even then. Just play the fields. Don't chain yourself to being responsible for a woman and a family. Oh, what about the Quran? I oh, forget the Quran. Men are the protectors and maintainers of women. Oh, forget about all that. Sisters got their own money now. They don't need protecting and maintaining. And it's a myth. So you do that, there's no fulfilling. Now at 35, 40, you're miserable. 
there's a myth. The only liberation comes through enslavement to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not to each other, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet his one of his greatest honors was Abdullah, Abdullah. Revelation, the greatest distinction a human being can have, the seal of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi prophets, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How is he described in that station of revelation? So, uh, uh, Alhamdulillah, الذي أنزل على عبد أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا. Alhamdulillah, الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب. Allah could have said, Subhanallah, Subhanallah, excuse me. Alhamdulillah, الذي أنزل على نبيه أنزل على رسوله أنزل على حبيبه أنزل على عبده الكتاب. The, the, the miraculous journey that no human being went on. Subhanallah, asra bi abdihi laylan. Again, not asra bi nabihi bi rasulihi bi habibihi. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Asra bi abdihi laylan. This is Abdullah. Why, why is this such a, a tremendous a station? Because to the extent that we actualize our servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, tahqiq al-ubudiyah, then we actualize the lordship of Allah. And Allah becomes greater with us as we become lesser with ourselves. Not with Allah. We're great with Allah. And that's liberation. We said that liberation, the goal, right? The Sufis, fana, to, to transcend the nafs, the self, to, to obliterate the self. I'll tell you a Sufi joke about fana, lighten the mood a little. So there, the Sufi group, they're in the, the uh, Zawiya. And then the Sheikh, he suddenly realized that he had transcended himself. She said, Anafanin. Poof, dropped over. Like I'm I'm nothing. Collapsed. And the Khalifa, his his appointed successor, he saw this. He said, Anafanin. Poof. Collapsed. And then the janitor who sweeps up, he sees this all going on. He says, and a fan, and poof, drops his broom. Poof. And then the sheikh, he rolled over to the khalifa, said, look who thinks he's fanny. <laughs> right, moving right along. But so the, the goal was to transcend the self, to get rid of the self. So there's no veil between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we can experience the, the full richness of the relationship and the bond of love. So they're more intense in their love for Allah, but that intense love involves transcending the self. Now the self is aggrandized, aggrandized 
in everything we do, we mention the selfie. Yom Qiyamah, everyone's going to be obsessed with themselves. Nafsi, nafsi, selfie, selfie. Obsessed with themselves. Obsessed with themselves, disappointed, no one likes me. So, uh, no one praises me. I love that warm, fuzzy feeling when I'm being praised. No, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. No, matter of fact, you're the greatest thing since air. Uh, that's great. Like, since air. It's a warm, fuzzy feeling. Are oh, you a bum? Hmm? <laughs> I'm a bum. SubhanAllah. A person who's actualized themselves. Istawa induhu al madh wadam. A person who's actualized their true humanity, praise and condemnation are equal with them, as long as they're right with Allah. Someone praises them, mashallah, mashallah. Someone condemns them, mashallah, mashallah. Why? Because they're not obsessed with themselves. So that they see themselves as having value and being praised or being devalued by being condemned. They're with Allah. Does not Allah suffice his servant? That's not Quran. It's a saying of the ulama. Be with Allah, don't worry about anything else. Be with Allah. Don't worry about whether you're praised or condemned. And that's, that's how we see through this fog. Understanding that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala suffices us. I don't need to be praised I don't need to be condemned or I'm not bothered if I'm condemned as long as I'm right with Allah if I'm wrong with Allah I'm rightfully condemned but if I'm right with Allah then whoever condemns me mashallah whoever praises me mashallah kun ma'allah wa la tubari alaysallahu bikafin abda so we have to return to Allah when we turn to the dunya, these dunyawi problems, this haze is all dunya. That's the nature of the world. And how the world manifests itself depends on how we are manifested in the world. So if, if we're chasing the world, if we're seeking the approval of the world, if we're seeking... Uh, to, to go along, to get along with whatever trash the world throws out there, then we're going to have all these worldly problems. Move beyond the world. If we're seeking to, to connect with the one who has created all of this as a test for us, then we're going to be blessed here. We're mentioning in the car, my wife and Mufti Azim's wife are both named Saliha. So we mentioned the hadith that dunya mata'ah wa khayru mata'iha al-mar'atu salihah. Like the world is uh, something to be benefited from. And the most beneficial thing in it is a virtuous spouse. So at dunya mata'ah, at dunya mal'una, the world is cursed. So the world is a source of benefit. The world is cursed. وَمَلْعُونُ مَا فِيهَا 
ألا ذكر الله وما ولاه وعالم ومتعلم. So the world is a source of benefit. The world is cursed. Except the remembrance of Allah and that which helps to facilitate it and a scholar or a student. So which is it? It's up to us. If we're chasing the world, if we're overvaluing the world, if we're, if we're attracted by all the, the adornment of the world, then the world's going to be cursed. And we're going to be enveloped in this haze. And we're going to be lost in the fog. And we're going to lose our direction. Because right, the haze, the fog, we can't see anything. And so we lose our way. That would be the state. But if we understand the world is something to be benefited from in lawful ways, that the world is the place where we're going to expect, have tests and tribulations. See, one of the things that the fog involves is this, another myth, is, is the myth, how could I say this? Uh, the, 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 the myth of, of guaranteed good returns. So this, uh, the positive is myth, myth of human progress. If we do the right inputs, the output, outcome will always be good. And we'll have unending progress generated by human action. It's a myth. And so what happens? We have that mentality that tests come. Oh, where's, where's Allah now? How could Allah love Allah tsunami? The tsunami in, what was it, uh, 2005 or so? Tsunami, people in Europe and America were losing their faith. Well, where was God? God is supposed to be merciful. People in Indonesia were saying, Hasbunallahu ni'mal wakil. That's what they're saying in Indonesia. In Aceh, the hardest hit part, the most religious part of Indonesia. People are tested according to their faith. And people here were losing their faith. And, but that's what happens when we're lost in the fog and we don't understand that the nature of the world. Imam Ali, one of the things he said, radiallahu anhu, karram allahu wajha, man arafat dunya hanat alayhi al-musibat. The one who understands and knows the world, calamities become easy to deal with because he or she knows this world. So a person that doesn't know the world, where's the law now? Where's God now? I thought God was merciful. They don't know the world. So they have a faith crisis. The one who knows the world. They understand this is the abode of tribulation. Allah didn't promise us, as they say, a rose garden. Allah never promised us a rose garden. Allah 
to test you which of you are best in deed do people think they'll be left alone merely saying we believe and not be tested? We've tested those who preceded them in order that Allah will show which of them are truthful and which of them are liars. If we could be all night saying the verses in the Quran to tell us a place of abode, tribulation, trials, tests, good times and bad times. إِنْ يَمْسَسْكُمْ فَقَدْ وَتِلْكَ الْأَيَّامُ دَاوِلُهَا بَيْنَ النَّاسِ فَلَيَعْنَمَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا يَتَّخِذَ مِنْكُمْ شُهَدَاءِ وَاللَّهُ لَا يُحِبَّ الظَّالِمِينَ So if some hardship, we're having struggles now. Muslims are weak. Were Muslims always weak? Were Muslims always be weak? That was part of the sales, part of the cycle. In order, Allah says, if some difficulty setback, hardship, injury has afflicted you, then your adversaries have been similarly afflicted. And these fortunes, these fortunes, we alternate between the people in order that Allah will show which of you are, are, are truly believers and take from your ranks martyrs. And Allah doesn't love those who are oppressive. Khalas. That's the nature of the world. If it's always good, everyone could believe. It's so easy to believe. It's all good, hunky-dory. Join the Muslims. Like, they'll write you a check right away for $30,000. They'll give you a house. They'll give you a car. Not any car. They'll give you a Tesla. They're, they're, it's all good. You, all your trials, your worries will just disappear. Man, everyone be lining up. But it doesn't work like that. How's it going to be? How's the faith going to be when there's weakness? When there's something of fear? We mentioned earlier. We're going to surely test you with something of fear and hunger. How's it going to be then? How's the faith going to be then? In order that Allah will show which of you believe. One who knows that and understands that, then hanats alayhul musibat, tribulations, Calamities become easy to deal with. He knows this is the nature of the world. Oh, everyone's ganging up on us. You turn on the radio, everyone's hating on the Muslims. They all hate us. You need to go to Umrah once in a while. Go somewhere. Get out of here. Go to Mexico. Get out of this pressure cooker so you can relax and understand. No, everyone, they love you in Mexico. They love Muslims. People taking shahada left and right. Yeah, and they say, the gringo don't like you, then we like you. <laughs> so just go to Mexico. You don't even need a plane ticket. Take a bus, go to Mexico, get out of here, relax a little. You understand. But, you know, everyone, they're hating us. They're coming down on us. That's unprecedented. 
الذين قال لهم الناس إن الناس قد جمعوا لكم فخشوهم. Those who the people said, all the hosts are gathering against you, fear them. فزادهم إيمانا. It only increased their faith. وقالوا حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل. حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل. They only it increased their faith. فزادهم إيمانا. Why? Because they know this is what Allah has promised us. This is what Allah has promised us. So in that tribulation, in that everyone ganging up on them, they see the actualization of the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their lives. And their faith is increased. And then they say, Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Allah suffices us. What an excellent one to depute our trust to. Give your affair to Allah. And you'll, you'll go through this fog. You go through the fog like it's dissipating before you. And that's the reality. Because it's only a test and a trial. Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. So just say, Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Make it a, we a weird for yourself. Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Ni'mal mawla wa ni'mal nasir. We're all returning to Allah, brothers and sisters. We're all going back to Allah. This is all a temporary abode. And if we can leave something like this for our future generations, and we can train enough of them to appreciate it, then we've done good in the world. We've done good in the world. And all of this confusion will, will sell through it with, with incredible speed and incredible focus and incredible direction. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be undertaking our affair. Verily Allah, verily my protector my sister, my beloved, al-wilaya, qalu, or qalu al-ulama, al-wilaya, thalatha ashya, al-nusra, wal-kurba, wal-mahabba. That the state of wilaya, in the wali Allah, it involves three things. It involves divine aid. With divine aid, we'll work through this. It involves closeness to Allah and Nusra wal Qurba and divine love wal Mahabba. If we have those things, nothing in the world can phase us. If we have divine love and we have nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we have the, the uh, assistance of Allah how could anything in the world phase us? Inna waliyallahu alladhi nazzal al-kitab Verily my protecting, loving, close friend, if you will, is Allah. Wa huwa yatawallas Who has revealed the scripture? He's revealed the scripture. And he undertakes the affair of the righteous. 
So if Allah is undertaking our affair, what can the world do to harm us? What can the world do to confuse us? What can the world do to blind us? And so, but the veil has to be lifted, the, the qurbah, the nearness to Allah, the veil has to be lifted. We don't lift the veil. We don't have that capability. Allah lifts the veil. But we do our part. And we're sincere and dedicated to Allah. May Allah give us tawfiq. Time is probably up. If not, then you could go on and on. But we'll leave some time for questions, inshallah. May Allah bless everybody. Give us tawfiq, taysir, kabul. May Allah make it easier for anyone struggling with anything that the world has placed in your path. It's real. Uh, never see yourself as being helpless. Like we're helpless in and of ourselves. I'll give you the beginning and end of a very popular qasida. And this is relevant to the talk. Because to begin to lift the fog around us, we have to admit our inability to lift it. We have to admit our inability to lift it. Allah lifts it. Allah lifts it. So the person says in the Qasidah, So we've come to you. Admitting our weakness, our incapability, our dependency on you. Oh, the possessor of all richness, the one who's truly independent. Allah is the one غني, independent of all and he's worthy of all praise so we have to admit we're trying to take on this load and the world's beating us down depressing us like I can't do this without you Ya Allah and you're the one who continues to be good for us. Look, did, a person becomes atheist, right? Allah doesn't stop giving them water in their tap. Look at the people who don't have water in their tap. I was in Syria. Sometimes you turn the tap on, nothing comes out. From 12 noon to 6 p.m., whatever the blackout hours are, there's no, there's no electricity. But we should be the most thankful people to Allah. Because even the atheists, they still turn the tap on, fresh water comes out. They flip the switch, the electricity comes on. The winter time comes, they turn on the furnace, the house is warm. And you're the one who continues to be good and to shower your goodness down upon us. And then they go through a process. We won't go verse by verse, but towards the end, kunta fi kulli halin So I was trying to do this without you, Ya Allah, and I end up a shipwreck on the coral reefs of life. That's what an atheist is. Atheist is a shipwreck, especially someone who had faith in their heart. 
who have Quran on their tongue. That's a shipwreck. Because they're trying to guide their own ship. Now, admit your need to Allah. Admit Admit your, your essential weakness. And then find your strength through Allah. This is at the end of the Qasida. If in every situation I find myself in, you're with me. With you carrying my load, I'm wealthy. I'm powerful. Through you. And so if you want true strength, if you want true liberation, if you want to see through the fog, you're not going to find it trying to depend on yourself, rejecting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're going to find it embracing Allah and acknowledging your need for Allah and acknowledging your dependence on Allah. That's where the strength comes from. Aziz billah. Strong through Allah. So in conclusion, I remind you, with one of my favorite phrases from one of my favorite weirds, the weird of Imam Nawawi. In that weird, he has a phrase, Bismillah, wa billah, wa min Allah, wa illallah, wa illallah, wa fillah, wa la hawla, wa la quwwata illa billah. Bismillah, and a bad isti'ana, with your assistance, depending on you. With Allah, in the name of Allah rather, in the name of Allah, and depending on Allah, Allah, and acknowledging everything comes from Allah. Allah, acknowledging everything returns to Allah. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Wa Allah and having total dependence on Allah. وَفِلَّا And understanding that we're enveloped by Allah's mercy and grace and His, his sustaining powers. قَيُّمِيَّ Every and His madad, Every instance of our existence. There's no strength nor power except Allah. Once we arrive at that realization, خلاص. The fog is gone. The clouds have been dispersed and dispelled. And we can chart a firm, solid, powerful course through this world. Jazakumullah khairan. Barakallah fikum.